Well, this is Pastor Rick. Glad to have you back with us on demand. Now, today we are going to jump into the topic that you love. We're going to talk about us. That's right. Church people, religious people, Bible-toting people. You say, well, I'm not one of those people. Well, you really want to listen because we're going to talk about us today. People who think they know God, people who get it right all the time, think they know the Bible better than anybody. You want to make sure you listen <laughs> and send it to some other people who are not religious. That might help them too. So listen, this is going to be wonderful, blessed, and just for you. So stay there. Enjoy the word today. Why is it so difficult to tell religious people the truth and especially the leaders? There are four things Jesus says you don't want to miss. Stay there. Oh boy, this is going to be too good. Enjoy. Now let me get to, if I can, the message. Uh, the message today is one of those sit down and let's talk family conversations. It's one of those conversations where you say, you know what, we need to talk about ourselves. I have been a, a devout, committed believer since I was a teenager. Probably came to Christ somewhere around 14, got really focused at 15, and really been just in the Bible and praying. And I have not been perfect. Let me be clear, I've been learning and growing, but I was above average in my commitment for sure. And learned a lot of lessons, made mistakes, um, fell down, got up, uh, um, hang with the wrong crowd for five minutes and got away from them and learned that some Christians aren't as God as I thought they were. And I learned that there are things in life that you you get over time. But one thing that used to concern me the most was why in the world are some believers not acting like believers? Some people who say they have a walk with God and some of you are discouraged because you were around some of them and you, you, they cursed more than you. They lied more than you. Uh, they flirted more than you did. <laughs> I mean, if you were full time unbeliever, living any way you want, doing what you want to do, you know, you expect that, you know, yeah, I'm a cusser. I just cuss, you know, when I feel like blank, blank. I, I lie. I lie all the time. I lie when I feel like lying. I mean, if you're into it full time, you're like not you're not part time center. You like all the way in center, just all in. Somebody said, that's me. That's me. <laughs> and what's funny is you sit next to somebody and they're saying, yeah, that's that's that's. And you looking at you better not say it. I know you tell them, don't you say it? <laughs> but some of your kids know it. Your, your cousins know it. Everybody knows it. But let me tell you what's, what's hard. It's hard when you. No, you're not right. You know you live in all kinds of ways doing anything you want to. And, and maybe even having fun at it. Let me just put that in there. Because I told somebody one time, I said, I know you hate, I know you hate uh, the way you lived your life. He said, oh, no, Pastor, I loved it. Oh, man, all the women and everything. Woo, man, I was having a blast. So you kidding? <laughs> I thought, okay, that didn't work. That didn't work too well. But the point was, at least, some of you know where you are, but here's what gets you. Here's what gets you. When they come up to you and they're talking about the Bible and God and Jesus, and they are not telling the truth about themselves. And so they got a lot of preach. They have a lot to tell you, but they, they, they do. They, 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 they worse than you. At least, you know, because you're honest about yourself. You know what I'm saying? You're honest. It's, it's like a person, for example, who has a drinking problem, right? And this, and the person with the drinking problem, tells you, I'm drunk all the time. That's what they tell you. <laughs> they know I'm always high. I get high all the time. I get high all the time. Now, but then you see this person who is 
high all the time, but don't know it. They're lying to themselves. I'm a social drinker. No, you're not. You're a drinking, drinking, super drinking person. That's what you are. That's the truth. Because look at how much you drink. Look at how you act when you drink. Record yourself. Get a selfie. Take yourself cussing and yelling and screaming or sleeping or falling out or whatever you do when you're drinking, whatever you do when you go too far. My point is knowing the truth about yourself, knowing you are a luster, like, you know, you lust every time you see somebody. Oh boy, there's a candidate. You know, every time you see somebody, you, you ought to roll, man and woman. That's right, you ladies, some of you, you, yes, you are, sister girl. You know you are. So here's the deal. At least you know the truth about yourself. But here's what makes you mad. Here comes this Bible-toting, God-fearing, big old Holy Ghost, supposed to be filled person, and they are wicked and don't know it. Well, that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew 23. People like that. And here's what he says, and he is not playing. This is one of those not playing moments, laying it out like you want to believe it, people. And I'm telling you, it's profound. But before I do that, let me give you a review from last week. Okay, let me talk about some things I said that I think are worth saying again. You ready? So here we go. We're going to talk about three dangerous assumptions that religious people make. Three of them. There are three dangerous assumptions. Number one, first of all, they assume they're right all the time. They assume they're right all the time. They're never wrong. Always hear from God. Number two. Number two, they always hear from God. So number one, they assume they're always right. Number two, they assume they always hear from God. They know God speaks to them. And so whatever the Lord says, and that's how they end conversations. If they want you just, just shut up and not say anything else, the Lord told me, the Lord, I know the voice of the Lord. <laughs> they're amazing. So you got people like that, right? They always assume they're right. Don't you turn this, don't you turn this off. You stay with me. This is good now. Don't you leave yet. This is really helpful. I promise. Give me a few more minutes. Number one, they, they're always right. Number two, they, they assume they hear from God. And here's the third one. You ready? They assume their view of the Bible is the view. God is the Baptist. Didn't you know that? God is the Baptist. He's a Pentecostal holiness. God is the holiness person. God is apostolic. Jesus name. Baptize you in Jesus name. They believe that with all their heart that God is like them. They have carved God into their own image. Mm, Matthew, Exodus 20. Man, I did a series a couple of years ago on the Ten Commandments. I'm telling you right now, man, 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 man. Mm, mm, mm. Mm, mm, mm. It's so easy for you if you're not careful. You will lose sight of how you've taken God and carved him into your image. You want to make him look like you, go to your church, listen to your pastor, uh, because you folks got God in a box. You've cornered him. Now, you're a little bothered right now because you can't get it your way because things have changed a little bit. But, but there's a, there are seasons where we think he is like us. And he wants us to do it exactly the way we do it forever because if you ever change anything, that wouldn't be God. God wants it just like it is for the next 500 years. But that's not how it works. And in seasons like this, you get confused because he changes everything, throws everything up in there and says, no, I, you can't do it the way you did it before. And if you do, there are dire consequences. If you, you're taking a risk. And, and that's another conversation. But let me give you the five more things I said last time. Five important signs that I think religious people miss. You ready? Number one, lifestyle signs. They're not consistent always. We'll talk about that today. There's inconsistency. Number two, traditional signs. They have traditions that they have held on to and they can't even see them. They're so 
much a part of their life. One tradition is a love for adults and not a love for kids. Here's how I know that. You ready? Your church has a program during this season for adults, but nothing for the children. The pastor hasn't talked to the kids ever. Never. He's never talked to his teenagers, never talked to the kids. Are you picking on me, Pastor Rick? Absolutely, yes. I am. Because why, why are we spending all the money on the adults? Why is everything about adults in this season? Why are we going through? The adults are not having, the adults need, okay, but what about the young people? What about the kids? But then you want them to all stay. If you really get honest and say, we are not investing in them. And we never really have, not in a, in a major way. Our building plans, our strategies, all that's about adults. The adults meet, the adults make all the plans. And so that's why your church ages out eventually. Thirdly, pride signs. They, uh, that says it, just can't see the pride. Just can't see it at all. Move on. Number four, vision signs. They can't see beyond themselves. Their vision is locked on just them, their church, their world, their, their, their fellowship. That's it. And it's almost like a fiefdom. There's a word, right? Fiefdom. It's just a little group of people who have this idea that God is in here and only in here. And, are, and, and companies get that way, you know, and families get that way. You know, sometimes a man's glad because he's got a fiefdom. He's got a, a small kingdom and a group of people that listen to me because I am the father in here and everybody, everybody should listen to me. And so everything is about that. And that's a good look. That's a good point right there. You know, to put something. If you're watching this right now and you're on Facebook or something, you got to put that in the chat. Say, say amen, amen. Clap your hands. Do something. Send some bubbles up. Do something. If you're watching now and you were touched by what I just said, you said that is absolutely the truth. Send me some love out there. Let me know you love me. Let me know you're hearing me. Now, if you're not on a device where you can do that, just clap your hands where you're at right there. Tell me you're, tell, tell me you're with me. Now, here's the deal. We, we, if we're not careful, we, we are all about that. And this is the last one. It, we, they're attitude signs. So here we go. You ready? Lifestyle signs, right? traditional signs, pride signs, vision signs, and attitude signs. It's just everywhere. You're not a servant. Servant leadership. If you want to know, here's a hint where I'm headed in my series coming up. Okay, on, ready, down the road, I'm doing a series on voting and politics, the truth about voting and politics. Here's a hint. You have to be a servant leader. All of us, Democrat, Republican, Independent, it's not about me when I am a leader. It's about us, servant leadership. And all of us on all sides of this political environment have lost some sight in that. We are creating incredible challenges for people, debt for people, problems for people down the road. I, you know, there's a saying I came up with, it came to me, it came to me. <laughs> I believe God gave it to me. So it was so good. I'm going to share it with you. Ready? This is a sneak preview. I may preach on it later. Don't be mean to tomorrow. Let me say it again. Don't be mean to tomorrow. Don't be mean to tomorrow, which means when I don't lay my clothes out, right? And when I don't get my lunches and all my stuff ready today, and I know I've got to do something tomorrow, when tomorrow comes, all problems, I didn't say hell, will break loose, right? Will break loose. And here's why it will break loose, because I was mean to tomorrow. When you don't study in school, right? And you know that your parents have given you this money and sacrifice and all that. If you're not careful, you are mean 
to your tomorrow. When your tomorrow comes, I know I'm preaching good. That's a clap in the, in the look in the chat. You need to do some clapping. If you're watching me on, on one of those devices, you can say something. You need to say something right now because I'm preaching good. You need to understand you can be mean to tomorrow. Some of you say, oh, I was mean to me yesterday. I was that was me. Oh, yes. I'll preach a man. I was mean to them. I married that man that was mean to tomorrow. If you marry him and you know he ain't got it. You know, she ain't all there. You know, you know, you can see the signs. You're going to be mean to your tomorrow. So don't mean don't be mean to tomorrow. When I get up and everything is laid out and all my stuff is done, you know, I got my stuff all together and I just put my clothes out on because they laid out and I get in my car because it's gassed up and I'm ready to go and everything's all packed up. I get in the car and say, I was nice to tomorrow. Yesterday. Yesterday I was nice to me. And I get right on out because I, I'm ready. Everything's in place. Everything's in place. There's no challenges. It's easier. I saved the money. I could pay the bill. I was, I was nice to tomorrow. Be nice to your tomorrow. These guys were off. They were not nice at all. They were not servant leaders. They had bad attitudes. And, and that, that can be what we develop. So having said all that, I hope you liked all that. I hope you got something out of that. Now let me turn, if I can, to my four things, because I got to get out of here. Four things. We often talk too long, preachers. We got to get to the point. Four things. Four concerns about religious leaders that Jesus aired. Four concerns. You ready? Number one, that they can become negative examples. Look with me at Matthew 23, Matthew 23, verse 13. Let's read the Bible. Here we go. He said, woe to you, teachers of the law, Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying to. Verse 15. Woe to you, teachers of the, of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when you have succeeded, you make them twice as much a child of hell as you are. Now, this is tough talk now. He says, you guys are bad examples. These guys are horrible examples. They, they, they block the door for other people. Do you realize that if you are not consistent in your life, you somebody's looking at you and somebody's trying to learn from you. And when you don't get your act together, somebody around you, your kids, your family, your friends, people you work with can be hindered by it. So I want, I want to ask a question. OK, because I want, I want to just jump on leaders. I want to ask a question. Why is this true? Why are some people bad examples? Is it because they're always bad? Here's her answer. No, that might surprise you. No, not at all. Days that we have all been bad examples, religious or not, but especially religious people whom he calls hypocrites in this text. The word hypocrites, it means to be an actor, it means to pretend that you're something that you're not. <laughs> in that moment when he said this, there are guys who are sitting out there listening and for the first time they thought about something. I guarantee you. They thought about the fact that they have been overrun. There's a verse in Galatians chapter six, verse one. It says, if a brother is overtaken in a fault, restore him. So here's the, here's the question. Here's the answer. Why are some people bad examples? Because they've been overtaken. One more time. Why are some people bad examples? Because they have been overtaken. If you look at your life and you say, man, I'm not doing what I, what I, what I know I should do. Why am I, why am I doing this? Why am I not doing what I know I should do? I, I, I did this wonderful sermon. I loved it. It was called Why. How can a wise person have foolish issues? Solomon was a wise guy 
with all kind of foolish problems. A thousand women in his life, 700 wives and 300 concubines. How do you get there? You get overtaken. Galatians 6 and 1. You get overtaken in a fault. Get overtaken in an issue, a weakness. And before you know it, it's running you down. Some of you got on drugs, but it wasn't because you just wanted to. You, you tried it and not bam, there you are. And your body's craving for it now. Now you're addicted and you won't admit it. It's not because you're weak. It's because this, it makes you dependent. And sometimes you're not consistent because of that. So deal with that. Are you that person that's inconsistent? That's, that's what Jesus said. They're bad examples. And they won't face it. The Pharisees were trying to cover up. I hope you're not like that. And, but for some of you, the answer is, yeah, you're right, Ricky Temple. I've lost my way. It's time to come back home now. It's time to change. Here's the second thing he said to them. He said, you can have the wrong priorities. I want you to look at this. This is important. Verse 16. Your priorities can get off. What do you, you blind guides? You say, if anyone swears by the temple, careful, listen carefully, it means nothing. But anyone who swears by the goal of the temple is bound by the oath. You, you blind fools. Which is greater, the goal or the temple that makes the goal sacred? Pause for a second. They had this way of showing where their priorities were because they would put great emphasis on the goal, the money, the resources, and not on the temple, the place that would make the place, the, the goal sacred. So, in a, you know, it, it's, a, it, it's almost about offerings and size of buildings and, and prosperity. I'm not against prosperity. I think it's a good thing. I think prosperity helps you, helps you do good for others, helps you do good for yourself, keeps your mind focused. I think poverty and all that was never God's plan for the world, even though Jesus said you'd have them with you always. But these guys, their priorities off. And here's what this, what this teaches. These guys are off because they keep making the wrong investments. They put more emphasis on the gold than they did on the gift or the Lord or the work of God. Even though they were religious leaders, they cared more about the goal. So where are you making your investments and tools and things that can give you more money? I watch. Here's an example of how I see this in leaders. They spend so much time trying to preach someplace, travel someplace, build something that they don't spend any time investing in the people. They don't spend any time investing in what matters. And it's a priority issue. I have to check myself. What's my priority? What's my purpose? Is it all about me going all over the place? Is it all about me amassing more stuff? Or is it about the temple? And this is the analogy he's trying to say. Which is more important? The goal or the temple? What's more important? What's more important to you? Your family? Look around you. Your family or a big church? What's more important to you? Your wife or, or goal, money, success, some opportunity? Let me give you a little hint. I've done pretty good in life and I've learned a lesson. There's a trap for everybody at every size of income. I've learned that. I've learned that I have to be a little bit more self-concerned, not selfish, self-concerned. I've learned the danger of getting the wrong priorities in, in the wrong places where I'm more focused on something that is not really my priority in my life. I'm, I'm going to get off for a second, just, just for a minute, because I'm, I'm really going to get off. I, uh, I have this thing in my head that says, you're 62, Ricky. And if you want to be able to move, you need to do something. You need to focus your priorities and make an investment in your health. 
eating right, exercising, trying to do something, stretch these bones. Oh boy, I woke up this morning, I felt a little stiff, you know, and then uh, just your temple, you need to stretch, dude, get up and do something. You know, it, you're sitting there allowing things to happen. And that's what he's saying to these guys. He said, these guys have the wrong priorities. You're, you're, your biggest, your biggest, I'm going to shock you with something. You ready? Some of you don't need to go to church more. You need to go to the gym. You go to, you go to church enough. You churched up. You church, you churched up. You preachers, you preached up. You preached up, churched up, look in the mirror. You need to go to the gym. You, sir, you, ma'am, have focused all your energies in the wrong place. That's what Jesus was trying to say to them. Their priorities were wrong. It, 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 it can easily happen because you do what's easy for you. It's convenient. Walking around the block for two, for 30 minutes is going to weigh you out. You can't do that, but you can spend, on, you can spend two hours on the phone preaching to somebody. At some point, you have to back up the train and say, my priorities are wrong. Mm. Man. Because mm. when, when the doctor calls with the bad news and when something happens and you're praying then, you've got plenty of time to pray then. Say, Why should somebody have to tell you to reset your priorities? I had to look at myself. As a matter of fact, I've got a series coming in a few months on this whole issue of repositioning yourself. You, you, you've got to redo yourself and you, you've got to get you got to get to it. And I got to get on number three. Here's the third thing Jesus said. You ready? He said, not only can these guys. Um, <laughs> these guys are making the wrong investments. They're, they're out of sync and and their priorities are off. But he says, thirdly, these guys have become petty. Leaders, these leaders have become petty. Listen to this exchange. I read this as a teenager and I thought it was one of the funniest texts I've read. I loved it. Listen to what he said. This is in chapter uh, 23, verse 23 of Matthew. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees and you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain, so like, you strain out a gnat, <coughs> but you swallow a camel. Now here's the point. <laughs> I love that camel and the gnat thing. That's good. In other words, little things you can't deal with, big things you can swallow. Really, guys? Here's, here's the lesson in this. The temptation for you is to be petty. You pay your tithe on the smallest amount of garden um, seasonings. They would grow tomatoes. They'd grow, he, he named them dill, cumin, mint. And he said they would take, if they got 10 tomatoes, they would give God one. They said, I'm a tithe, I'm a tither. You're real good about giving God your money. You're real good about being petty and small about certain things. There's certain things that are really worship. You worship. You're a worshiper. I worship God. You're big on that. But the things that really matter, like being nice, being fair, being kind, you're a mean worship leader. You're a mean worshiper. You worship God and you worship with authority. And I say, let's praise him and all that. But when it comes down to you being kind to your wife, your children, you mean and so in the middle of that, there's this moment where he says, come on, you strain at a gnat, swallow a camel. It's little things you, you can't deal with, big things you can. You got big vision, but you can't see yourself. Then it comes to the fourth thing, and I'm done for the day. Fourth thing he says is this. Look, he says, not only are they people who are not consistent, not only are they people 
that can that have bad priorities. Not only are they people that are petty, but lastly, these are people, he says, that have deep down corruption. They're inwardly corrupt. They 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 this 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 is so incredible. He says this in verse 25. Woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the, the outside will also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. Wow. Man, here's the bottom line of that. You look like a... a, a this is tough. He said, you guys, you guys are like going to the graveyard and you like a grave. You clean the outside of the grave, but inside there's dead men's bones, King James says. It's just not what it looks like. Is that you? You know, one of the things that has happened in this season, which and I hear a lot of people, they ask me, Rick, Jeff, how do you feel about this season? Um, um, how, how do we get here? Why is it that you think people are like this? Because they have made appearances the priority. It's about looking good, not being good. I think that we are in a season of revelation. My statement um, to people who ask me and who are in an uproar about the politics, about the way things are, here's my statement. At least now you know. Do you want to be in the dark? Aren't you better off that you know? You know how people think, how people prioritize. Now you know. And if you know, you got something you can work with. Ignorance is where you can't, you can't, you can't, that's the land you can't live in. I'd rather know you don't like me. I'd rather know that you don't like me because I'm a black person. I'd rather know that so that I can, I can prepare and not depend on you particularly, not, not, not all people, but if you don't like me because I'm a color or because uh, I don't like you because you're a color. You need to know that, that I'm that narrow minded, that, that I'm that I have some idea that somehow. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just I think I, I do better when I know. I've studied I've studied something that was interesting and I'm going to get off a little bit. I promise I'll get back on because it's just interesting to know this. I've been studying slavery. I've been studying history. And I used to wonder how in the world and I know, I'm, I know I'm off a little bit, but just hang with me. I used to wonder how in the world could people come over here and, and land on this great continent we're on and meet these Indian people and um, eventually uh, uh, do what they did, just, just annihilate them, take their land, uh, put them on little reservations, um, slaughter them by the thousands. Give them guns to help them fight each other. How could they do that? I used to wonder how. How could you get slaves? Don't hang up. Hang with me. I'm going someplace good. I promise. And 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 what what? It, it come over and then justify it with the Bible and and um, uh, man that we're helping these needy people. So we're gonna load them up on ships. Bring you know have end up end up with about four million was the peak number. Some say. And bring them over here and, uh, and enslave them and um, feel that that's okay. 
And, and then somehow use the Bible to justify, which is totally false. In the Bible, slavery in Scripture is, has no, it was nothing like slavery in the South, in the antebellum South, for the record. Nothing like it, because you only stayed for seven years. Read this, and it's in Exodus chapter 21. Read it on your own. Exodus 21. Exodus 20 is the Ten Commandments. Exodus 21 talks about slavery. And, and it, it, you had seven years you could, you could be held, and you basically were, were signing up for something. I'm going someplace, I promise. You were signing up for something that you were pay, where you were paying off a debt. And there were rules. They, they couldn't you couldn't rape the slaves. You couldn't kill the slaves. You couldn't do anything to harm them. You could be killed yourself. It was not like what you saw in the South. That was not what you saw. And I'm not endorsing any kind. I don't want anybody to be in any bondage. He whom the sun set free is free indeed. God made Adam free, wants everybody free. Now, that's another conversation. But here's the deal. When I looked at that and I thought, how in the world could that be true? Here's how. You ready? In Europe, if you go back in the 14th, 15th, 16th, 17th centuries, you know, slavery was 1618. You had your first slaves coming there about, depending if you believe that date. Some people believe it's earlier, whenever it was. But slaves start coming in this country in the 1600s, and some believe even earlier. But, okay, so then 17th, 1800s, all those years, there was the Reformation in the 1500s. There was all kinds of things. They fought wars over there in Europe, and they brought that same culture here. They followed, listen carefully now, kings. To them, it was all about being supreme and over people. That's where they came from. They, they, when the, the whole Revolutionary War was breaking free from the, this whole king thing. This leaders all over Europe, that's how they lived for, for generations. Then this, this amazing thing happened that I'll talk about next week. When they came over here, they brought that same mindset. I want you to just notice that for generations, and I'll talk more about this next week, but for generations, part of the problem was the focus was ruling over people, being dominant, being a dominant person. That's, that's, that's what was in the Pharisees, the same desire. And religious people can have that same thing. I, there's a name for it, triumphalism. I'll talk about that too down the road. This idea that I triumphed over you, taking charge. We're going to win the world. We're going to make everybody like us. You can clap in the chat on that one. If you're on a device where you can do that, you can go, you can give me some hand claps on that one. You give me some love, some, some bubbles or something here, some hearts. I'm telling you the truth. It's amazing how you can be the kind of person Religious person who doesn't care about somebody coming to Jesus. You want to get you a star in your in your crown. It's all about you. It's all about you coming, establishing something where you win. Side note, and I'm done, I promise. Slavery was about business and money. Man, it was about a balance sheet. I read them every week. I know about profit and loss and cash flow and balance sheet. Slave was worth Worth $800 to $1,200. An acre of land was worth $5. One slave was worth more than a whole bunch of acres. That's why they chased them. My money is running out the door. If you had a company, if you business people, you look at me and you think about this. If you could, I, I understand payroll because I've been paying it for years. And let me tell you, if you could run your business with no payroll, how much money would you save? Lord have mercy. Religious people we're all about doing the same thing. They just enslave you sometime in a building and, and a mindset. They, they enslave you in a mindset. Here's the problem. You ready? Here's the problem. You ready? This is a side note. Right now, 
you don't have the same power over the people that you have pastored. Some of them are starting to think differently because they're not under that religious influence. You can't get to them like you used to. So you're trying to pull them all back in a building. It may not even be safe. And sometimes if you're not careful, you're not even trying to social distance. You don't really you're living in some other fantasy. And, and, and Jesus said, see, that that's a problem. Religious people. We tough. But I want you to think with me for a minute. Are you doing the same thing they did in slavery, trying to enslave people? Are you still are you is it all about you being in charge? Is it all about your pride? Is it all about you? If it is, then you're missing the message. I got to go. My time is up. I'm telling you what I've enjoyed this. I, 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 but I want to I want to leave you with something. You've got to make a decision. You can't allow yourself to get lost. You can't allow yourself to get lost. Next week, I'm going to pick up on this. I'm going to talk about some stuff. I'm going I'm, I'm to tell you the topic and then you think about this. The truth about voting and politics next week. I'm going to talk about that. And I'm going to talk from, a, there's a book I want you to get. There's a book I want you to read with me. It's, it's by Tony Evans, Dr. Tony Evans. How Should Christians Vote? How Should Christians Vote? I want you to get the book, read it with me. And um, for the next few weeks, we're going to jump into this and, and I'm going to give you some thoughts. Now, now I, I love the way he spins it in the end. I love the way he kind of takes you to a good place. And I'll, I'll give you one thing that you're going to love. You're going to love the balance. You're going to love the approach. I want to give you something to read. And then I, I, want, I, I want to deal with four things. Who should you vote for? You going to talk about that, Pastor Rick? Yeah, I'm going to talk about who you should vote for. <laughs> what you going to say? Tune in and see. I'm, I'll surprise you. I will. Because at the end of the day, I'm going to teach you how to think. Number two. Which party or candidate is the most righteous? Who's the most righteous? Is God a Republican? Is God a Democrat? Thirdly, which party or candidate best represents God's perfect will? You know, Christians believe that. I know I'm going to vote the Bible. I'm voting the Bible. The Bible is what I'm voting. I'm voting the Bible. So all you Bible voting believers, come on, join the preacher. We're going to get the Bible out and see where in the Bible it says all that. You're going to love it. It's going to be good. Number four. Should I vote for the one that is the closest to my values? They think like me and I should vote for the ones who think just like me. Forget everybody else as long as they think like me. And because I know God, right? And because I know the Bible and because I'm so close to God, I know I know. And nobody can tell me I don't know because I know I know. I always know. If you know somebody like that, who talks like that, clap in the chat, send some love up in the bubbles. Let me know you heard me. And let me, let me tell you something today. It's time for us to rise up and grow and learn how to think right, face our religious weaknesses and strength, and learn that God called us to love everybody and not just be concerned about ourselves. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those today who've heard this message. I pray that it's lifted their hearts and their minds and given them a vision. I pray they would rise to a place of faith, that we would unite. This country is too divided, too far apart. The Bible said a house divided cannot stand. Help us, Lord God, to face our religious pride. Help us to see where we've gone off and gone wrong and help us to learn and grow. I thank you for this time together in Jesus name. Amen. And listen, I want to thank you for hanging with me for a few extra minutes this morning. I just really appreciate it and look forward to you being with me next week as we get into the stuff I talked about. And I want to say thank you for 
for being with us. Some of you heard a message today that really spoke to you. And you said, Pastor Ricky, that lifted my heart. And it made me see that I, I need to give my life to God. I need to walk with God. If you did, on some of your devices, there's an opportunity right there to push you that. And say, I raise my hand and I look for it. It's right there. If you're on Facebook or one of the other tools, sometimes on, on YouTube, you can say, I, I raise my hand. If you're there right now, then raise your hand and say, yeah, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want you to pray a prayer for me, Pastor. I, I know what you said was right. You may be a pastor. You may be a religious person but you need to raise your hand because you know the truth and it's time for you to make a decision. And if you're in a place where you don't have that opportunity, right there in the chat, if you're in a chat opportunity right now, just write right in there, I raise my hand. Mm. I raise my hand. I raise. Some of you just going to raise your hand to surrender to God for, for, for the first time in a long time. You mean it. I want to give God my life for the first time in a long time. I mean what I'm saying. I, I don't want to be inconsistent where I'm embarrassing my family, myself. I, I don't want to have two lives. I want to have one life before God. They that worship him, Jesus told that woman at the well, must worship him in spirit and in truth. Which means I got to tell the truth. Got to be genuine and authentic. God bless you. Thank you for being with me today. Let's pray. Father, bless those who raised their hands today. Let this be a transforming moment. Let it be that moment they say, Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I, I surrender my life to you in Jesus name. Well, I pray you were touched by today's message. I pray you say, I don't want to be a leader or a Christian or a believer or a person who's a negative example. I don't want to be petty. I don't want to be the kind of person who sits around and all his life and I'm just struggling with things that I shouldn't be struggling with. I don't want my life to be the kind of life that does not reflect what I want it to. You know, these leaders lost their way. They were religious, they were sincere, they were, but they were not focused. So are you the kind of person who's lost your way? Have you become a person who says, you know, you're right. I'm more like those guys than I want to be. Well, let today be the change. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for those who listen in today. I pray the lessons that they've learned from these leaders would be lessons they can apply to their lives. May they never forget the power, the power of being honest and transparent and learning how to empower others instead of hindering others. I praise you and thank you for this time in Jesus name. Hey, look, my name is Pastor Ricky Temple. I've enjoyed being with you today on On Demand. I want to encourage you to, if you enjoyed this, if it helped you, link it and send it to somebody else and say, you know, this might be good for you. And let them be blessed by it too. Got more to talk about down the road. Boy, I'll tell you, I can't wait to see you next time. You be blessed right here on demand.